0: Hey guys, good morning, good morning, welcome, so glad that you are in church this morning. Uh, For those that don't know me, and I do see a lot of new faces, my name is Andrew Price and I am the uh, pastor of our Mount Olive location, so if you are new, yeah, thanks. I got to tell you, I just appreciate that because God has a way of humbling you sometimes. This past Friday night, I was at my nephew's t-ball game in Princeton, and uh, I ran into one of the young ladies that I used to teach in kids' church. See, I've been on staff for seven years, and for the past year and a half, I've been in Mount Olive. But for five and a half years before that, I was here, and I was the bridge kids' pastor. And so I run into a seventh grader uh, who... Was in my kids' church the whole time, and I give her this big old hug. I'm like, "Hey, sweetheart, how are you doing?" Called her by names. How's school? How's everything going? How's your mom and dad? And then she hits me with, "Now I know I know you." <laughs> what do you mean you know you know? I'm Pastor Andrew. I'm, I've been your pastor for five. But I know a year and a half is a long time, and so anyway, uh, God will humble you. So I'm Andrew, nice to meet some of you, and nice to meet others of you again. But uh, anyway, um, so like I just said, I've uh, been on staff for seven years, past year and a half, I've been in Mount Olive. In case you don't know, our church is one church that meets in many different locations. We have a location here. Of course, we have a location in Goldsboro and then uh, one in Mount Olive as well. My beautiful wife, Nicole, who I'm very blessed, I will say beautiful and talented because she is actually leading worship at the Mount Olive location today and she may come second service. but, uh, But anyway, so she's there and my two boys, I have Mason who's three and then Landon who is seven months and so it's been, yeah, thank you, thank you for that. It's been a while since I've slept through the night, so I don't know what I'm going to say this morning. Um, Guys, let me just tell you about what God's doing at the Mount Olive location of the bridge. This past Easter, which I say a couple weeks ago at Easter, we saw over 270 people in attendance. But that's not the best part. In the year and a half since we've launched... We have seen 27 people give their heart to Jesus and 14 be water baptized. Let's give it up for what God's doing in the southern end of Wayne County. Thank you, Jesus. But I say all that not to say, oh, look at the bridge, Mount Oliver, oh, look at me or whatever like that. I say all of those things to say thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you. Because two years ago, I stood on this stage with Pastor Farrell, who was our senior pastor at the time, and we just cast the vision for the bridge Mount Olive. And we said, We feel like God's calling us. And would you consider if you live that way, or would you consider helping us get it started? And so, 40 people from this location, 20 people from the Goldsboro location said, You know what? We'll go and some of them signed up for a year and some of them signed up and uh, one year and then they were going to come back here some of them are still with us because that location is actually closer to where they live but i just want to say on behalf of the bridge mount olive and on behalf of the leadership of this church thank you thank you that you are a sending church thank you that you are a church that invests in others thank you that you are a giving church It is so incredible to be a part of a church like this that you see people in the grocery store, you see people at ball games, and you don't even know it, but they attend one of the other. This thing is so much bigger than what we can see with our eyes. And I want to tell you what I think is the coolest part about everything I've just said. I really believe wholeheartedly that for the bridge Princeton- for the bridge Mount Olive, for the bridge Goldsboro. I believe that the best is yet to come. Amen. 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 So, uh, guys, today, Pastor Jim and I, obviously I'm not Pastor Jim, we have done a pulpit swap. And so he is preaching in Mount Olive. I am preaching here. You guys got the short end of that deal. So anyway, (laughs) but he will be back next week. And I just am so honored to have the opportunity uh, to be here and preach this morning. Can I just take a moment while I have this stage to say how much I appreciate Pastor Jim? You know, he, he's an awesome pastor. and We see him up here, and he, he's so good in the pulpit. He, he's a great preacher. That's the way many of you know him. But I want to tell you that the Pastor Jim that you guys see in public, the most impressive part to me is that that is the same Pastor Jim in private. In those boardrooms, in the conference, in the offices, in the hallways, that man loves people. He wants to see people get saved. His heart is for this church and for the kingdom of God. One last time I'm going to ask you to clap. Can we just give it up for our senior pastor? (laughs) Do we appreciate him this morning? Amen, amen. Well, let's dive in, guys. We are in a sermon series called Amazing Grace. And during that sermon series, I hope that you've been following with the progression of thought. So the first week, which was Easter Sunday, we talked about being saved, that that grace is a gift, that God just gives it to us. He loves us so much that he sent his son, and because of what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross... God can now extend grace to us without cost. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to deserve it. He just extends grace. And then in week two, we talked about how that oftentimes whenever we get something that we didn't work for, or didn't earn, there can be some guilt associated with it. It's like but really, I mean, this deal seems too good to be true. And, and so there's some guilt. And so that week we talked about the relationship between guilt and grace and how those two operate together. And we really looked at the difference between conviction versus condemnation. And then last week, Pastor Jim brought a word on being restored by grace. That the fact is, relationships are always moving, and so we're either getting closer to someone or we're getting further away. We're getting closer in our relationship with God, or we're getting further away. And so, what do you do when you look up one day and you realize, man, I didn't realize it. I didn't know it was happening. I didn't intentionally come back here, but over time, I've slipped. I've, I've, I've backslid. And I've fallen away. And we talked about, Pastor Jim showed us, that in those moments we can be restored by grace, that God loves you so much. He didn't just give you enough grace to get us saved. He didn't just give you enough grace to get you there. God's grace is so amazing that he'll get you back. And he restores us through grace. And so if you missed any of those sermons, you can watch them online, bridgechurch.cc. You can email us, info at bridgechurch.cc. And we, me, Pastor Jim, any of us uh, preaching pastors, we will be happy to give you the notes that we preach from. We just want we, we to be helpful and we just want to be a resource for you. Well, today, all of... Those aspects of grace set us up for today. The next part of grace that I want to highlight is that we can be transformed by grace. We can be transformed by grace. Let me show you a verse. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Look at that. For anyone who is in Christ, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, behold, the old has passed away and the new has come. We can be a new creation. The good news is, guys, Jesus didn't die on that cross for a tweak. He died so that we could be transformed. See, a lot of times when we try to to better ourselves, I think about... I know people who, uh, who've who tried to quit smoking or who've tried to give up certain things, and it is through clenched teeth and just willpower that they're able to give it up for a little while, and, and maybe forever, but it is, it's just a little bit better version of themselves. It's like old you 2.0. You know, I'm just getting a little bit better. I'm just trying hard. I'm just, I'm progressing. It's taking a while. I don't like it, but... When we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we don't have to be, we're not old you 2.0. We're new you. (laughs) We can be a new creation. And so when I think about that, I can't help but think about before and after pictures. You guys know I'm talking about before and after pictures? So they have them everywhere now. You see it with classic cars. Here's the way it came into the shop. Here's what happened afterwards. They have it on HGTV. I only know that because I have a wife, and I am a good husband, and I'll let her have the remote some. But some, now when the fall comes, and football, so anyway, um, but it shows you a room before and then after, and here's what the designers did, and here's the difference, and you just look at that, and you go, oh, so good, I love that, I want to do some of those things at my house. But the, the before and after picture that I'm really thinking of is weight loss. See, on the left, you guys have seen these pictures. On the left, there's this person, there's this guy who's who's big, who's out of shape, who just you can just tell, man, he he's unhealthy. And then on the right, oh my goodness. And be it some say six weeks, some say six months, some say a year, whatever it is, unhealthy. Who are you? You know, it's like slender, muscular, tan. When did you buy a tan in bed? How did that happen? And so the question that, they, that these advertisers, that these people hope you ask whenever you see something like that is, how did that happen? How, wh- what did you do? Was it, was it a drink? Was it a diet? Was it a pill? What was it? How did you go from this to this? Let me just admit something to you here this morning. I tend, sometimes when I see those pictures, to be a little bit cynical. Does anybody else look at those pictures, kind of zoom in, and you're like, this guy has a tattoo. Oh, he lost the tattoo too? So, when it so I do that, but most of the time it is the same person. There's a transformation that has taken place. And here's the deal. Uh, the reason why that is such an effective form of marketing is because a picture, the old adage, a picture says a thousand words. And so you can tell, I can tell, I don't know this person's story, but I know something happened. There was a difference. And so the same is true in our Christian walk. The same is true for our relationship with Jesus that we can be transformed by the grace of God. One of the most powerful stories that I've ever experienced personally. I told you for five and a half years I was the children's pastor. And uh, there was one point in time, this has been a couple years ago, that uh, I had this lady come to me and she said, I've been in the church now for a few months and I just love it here and God's doing something in me and I just want to serve. And back then... I needed you to pass the test. The test was the two B's. The two B's. If you could pass a background check, and if you were breathing, and as long as those two things were true, right in you went. No, listen, I I see some parents who are a little concerned this morning. I'm going to go get the kids. You stay in, we'll be in the family room. Listen, Pastor Jenny's been here for a year and a half. She's doing a great job. And I'm joking, but... But this lady, she was good with the parents. She was good with the kids. She was good with the other volunteers. I mean, she just did an incredible job. And one morning, she had been volunteering for a couple of months. And uh, one morning, I walk into the nursery. And I'm just kind of having conversation, making sure everything's going well. And a VIP person walks in. And then that's what alerted me to the fact that this was a first-time guest that was behind her. And she had her little daughter with her. And uh, the first time guest looks up, sees the lady that I'm telling you about. I'm not going to use her name. She says, oh my goodness, what are you doing here? I didn't know you went to church. Oh my God, how long have you been here? And you're not just like even coming to church, but you're, you're serving? Whoa, whoa. You know, come to think of it, and she called some guy's name, come to think of it, I had not seen you at Doug's lately. Do you still go to Doug's on Saturday night? Nah, I don't, I don't go there anymore. Got to be up early on Sunday morning. I come here, I'm at church. And, and so what ensued was about a three-minute conversation, and that first-time guest just went on and on about, wow, you're here. The power of God, like, for you to be here, that's incredible. And so the next day, that pumped me up. I'm excited. I mean, for a pastor, there is no better thing that we can hear than to know that somebody's life changed. Like, you were this, and now you're following Jesus, and you're this. And so the next day, I'm sharing with one of the other staff members, and he said, Andrew, you wouldn't believe it. I went to school with that lady, and uh, she was a couple years ahead of me. But, man, we thought she was wild in high school. And I've just followed her on social media. and Man, she has come out of some stuff. I tell you that story because I want to... What was it that that first time guest was marveling at? What, What was it that that staff member was describing to me? It was transformation. It was transformation. It was that before and after picture. Because for so many people, they knew the before and they had no idea... About the after. This change had been kind of recent in her life. Ladies and gentlemen. I want to tell you. That that transformation. Is not just possible for her. And for Pastor Andrew. Because he went to Bible college. Or Pastor Jim. That transformation is available for all of us. If we are in Christ. If we know Jesus. As our Savior. So this morning. I want to talk to you for a few minutes. On the subject of. How can I be transformed? How can I be transformed? So if you have your Bibles and you want to go ahead and open, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, and uh, we're going to be there for the duration of the day. So you can just kind of leave your Bibles open to that. Let me give you a little background. The Apostle Paul, the one who wrote the letter to the Corinthians that we just looked at, uh, he is also the one that wrote, Romans he's also the gentleman that wrote Romans and here's what he's doing in Romans 1 through 11 he's saying hey church in Rome i i don't know you i eagerly anticipate being able to come and visit with you i want to be with you but until i get the opportunity to do that here's a few things i want you to know here's some stuff here's some theology here's some practical teaching and so in chapters 1 through 11 What Paul does is he teaches some of the richest and deepest theology that is found anywhere in Scripture in those first 11 chapters. But then if you read the totality of Romans, you begin to see that in chapter 12, there's a shift. In chapter 12, there's a shift, and he begins to be a lot more practical. And he's like, okay, okay, listen. Now now you know about God. Now here's some stuff to help you live that out. And so how can I be transformed? The first point is give up your life. Give up your life. Verse 1 tells us, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, read this next part with me, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Let's do it one more time to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Why? Because it's your holy it's holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, Paul's saying in light of everything I've just told you in chapters 1 through 11. In light of the fact for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In light of the fact that for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In light of all of those things now this offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. To be a living sacrifice means a, a, a sacrifice is something that you burnt up on the altar that, that had a uh, incredible meaning to them, to the people who read this. It's actually probably good that Paul didn't lead off with this, that he, he introduced this concept about midway through the, through the letter. Can you imagine, oh, here's a letter from some guy we don't know. You're the church in Rome. I'm Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Just slip that right away. I don't know about this guy. But he waits until chapter 12 to do it. Here's what he's saying. Because none of us are going to crawl up on an altar. God's not asking that we would would be burned up. Here's what he's saying. Because of God's amazing grace, sacrifice your own life plans, your own agenda. Give it to God. Don't give God what you want him to have. Give it all to him as an act of worship. It means that we lay aside those things that we want to do and we say, God, what would you have me do? So the question I want to ask you this morning is, what are you holding back from God? What are you holding back from God? Yeah, God, I come to church on Sundays and I want you involved in this part of my life and you can be with my family. And, but I don't want you in this part of my life. What is it? Maybe, it's, uh, maybe we're doing it consciously. Maybe we're even doing it unconsciously. But what part of our life are we holding back from God? See, one of the mistakes we often make is we go to God and we say, Hey, God, I have decided that I'm going to quit this job. And so I pray that you would bless me as I look for another one. Hey God, I've decided that I'm going to marry him. And so Lord, I pray that you would help him to get saved. We, we go to God and we, we have all these decisions that we've already made. And we say, God, now would you bless this decision? But part of this transformation process, part of this giving up of our lives is that there would be a shift. That there would be a shift. And so from now on, The question would look like this, God would you give me eyes to see what it is your blessing and then help me to be a part of that. Lord, what would you have me do? What is it that you would have me do? Because I want to do that. That's the shift. But let me just tell you something. The Holy Spirit said, gentlemen, he's not going to make you do anything. He's not going to make you transform. And so you can resist. But there is a warning. It comes in Matthew 10, 39. Matthew 10, 39 says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. I mean, I just picture somebody holding on to something. I'm not going to give this up. God, I don't want you to have this part of my life through clenched fists, through every bit of willpower you have, I'm not giving this up. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. So give God, give God your dreams, give Him your plans, Give him your schemes. Give it all to God. Give up your life and ask him, sir, what is it you would have me do? Because that's what I want to do. That's the first key to transformation. Number two, number two, change your old way of thinking. Change your old way of thinking. Verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Wait, how can we tell what God's will is? That we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. One of the ways we know if transformation is happening in us is over time, we can look back and say, man, I'm, I'm thinking differently than I used to think. I'm thinking differently. That, that word there for transformed in the Greek, that is the word metamorpho. Probably not saying that right. Pastor Jim will correct me next week. Metamorpho. That in the English, that means metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. It literally means to change into another form. We see this in nature. You know what this means. Metamorphosis. It's what happens when that caterpillar goes into that cocoon, and then some time passes, and it emerges a butterfly. It has completely changed forms. Metamorphosis. In the same way, if we transform, if we will allow God to do this transforming work in us, then you'll begin to think different. Here's why that's so important. If you think the way you used to think, you'll do the things you used to do. You hear what I'm saying? You ought to write that down. Are you note takers? Be a note taker. (laughs) If you think the way you used to think, you'll do the things you used to do. So if you want to change, if you want to be a new person, if you want... To know that transformation, then we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I heard a pastor say one time that which you think about continually, you will do eventually. You see what I'm saying? That which you think about continually, you will do eventually. So if you keep riding around car lots, your afternoons, you're kind of cruising through, going by Deacon Jones, what do they got today? Then you get home and you're on the screen before bed on the iPad and you're kind of, what kind of cars? I, I, oh, I didn't see that one at the dealership. If you keep thinking about it, guess what? It's not going to take long. You're going to have a new car in your driveway. Whether you can afford it or not, you'll, you'll find a way to justify it. Now, when I say that, you're like, I mean, yeah, that just makes sense. Doesn't everybody understand that? But you know what's true? I've never met a person who has wrecked their life who said, man, I was thinking about something. I was thinking about this continually. Men, if you think about having an affair, you'll do it. That which you think about continually, you'll do eventually. So we've got to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That that word renewing, that's not a one-time act. It's not like, okay, God, I'm going to church this Sunday. Renew my mind. (laughs) Did it happen yet? (laughs) I'm still thinking some bad thoughts. (laughs) No, it is a reoccurring act. It means you have to re-pattern your thinking. We have some people in our church here who are runners. I don't understand you, but I love you. I see people post on social media that they run for fun. About to bust out a quick five-miler. Can't think of a better way to spend a Saturday. I can. Anyway here's the deal. I don't don't know about running, but here's what I'm told. Running takes discipline. And when you are transformed, with each run, each time you go out, bust out those miles, each time you do those things, you are transforming your body through discipline. One mile, one lap, At a time, you are becoming a better runner, a runner with more endurance, a runner that can run faster or better or whatever it is because you are renewing your body. You're transforming your body into that runner. Listen, guys, let me just close this thought about transforming our minds with this verse. It's also a warning. Proverbs 4.23, Be careful what you think Because your thoughts run your life. Be careful what you think. Because your thoughts run your life. So we give up our lives. We change our old way of thinking. And then number three, how am I transformed? I have to focus on the needs of others. Say, what? (laughs) Wait, Pastor Andrew, so I'm changing and I was with you on point number one, I'm going to give up my life and do all that. And then point number two, I've got to change the way I think. But for me to be transformed, I've got to focus on others? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me show it to you. In verse 3, it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you all, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith god has distributed to each of you see if you if you would continue reading and i hope that you'll do that read verses 3 through 8 when you get home this afternoon i just didn't have time to include all of those verses but what paul goes on to say is hey you and i were given gifts by the grace of god and he he says we are all different parts but we're part of the same body. That's the illustration that he gives in those verses. And so God gives us grace so that we can do certain things well. Like I said earlier, there are some of you that are runners. That's not me. There are some of you that are good at running media. There are some of you that are good with kids. There are some of you that are good uh, with people. And so you're out front. The whole idea is that each of us would use the gifts God has so graciously given us that we would steward that for the body. And so Paul gives examples like this. If your gift is teaching, then teach. If your gift is encouraging, you're not going to believe this, encourage. And it goes right along with what Peter says in 1 Peter 4.10. As each one of you has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, we we hear that word stewards. We hear that a lot when we talk about money. If I'm a good steward of money, that means that I manage money well. When it comes to my money, I'm able to manage it. I'm, I'm getting the most out of every dollar. Peter would suggest to you this morning that we are also to steward the grace God has given us through the giftings he's given us. Be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What does that mean? That you were given a special gift. Now employ it. Put it to work. Do something in the body of God to focus on the needs of others. That hope and love of Jesus that you felt Help others have that same experience as well. So just to kind of put it all in a nutshell here, in order to transform, number one, we give up our lives. Number two, we change our old way of thinking. And number three, we focus on the needs of others. And by doing that, we can be transformed. In closing, I want to share a story with you. Uh, I referenced earlier, I'm, I'm part of the preaching team here. And uh, blessed, very blessed to be a part of that preaching team. It, it's Pastor Jim and Pastor Ryan and myself. And we collaborate on sermons and ideas. And You're going to use that scripture. Oh, it's better than what I had. So it really has helped me to become a better uh, a better preacher. And so one of the things we do is we pick out Uh, The sermon series titles together, the creative team that Pastor Jared leads, they give us some sermon titles, or sermon series titles, and then we get to pick from there. And sometimes we like what they've done, sometimes, you know, we go off into la-la land, and so, like, a series on grace becomes grace-a-palooza, you know, or whatever. But when we got ready to name this series, we knew we were preaching on grace, we said amazing grace amazing grace because that's what grace is it is incredible it is amazing but also to be honest with you we picked that sermon series title because of the song the song that undoubtedly we all know you've heard it you grew up hearing it amazing grace It's estimated that that song is sang 10 million times annually. The song, it was written in 1772, and yet here we are all these years later, and it's still one that we sing in church. It still speaks to us. It's the most famous hymn. Most famous hymn there is. And yet, the gentleman who wrote it his name is John Newton if somehow we could have John Newton right here with me this morning I've read enough about him to know he would say that's amazing I I had no idea God would use some words that I wrote down like that I had no idea but I gotta tell you I didn't do it for that reason I wrote Amazing Grace because it's my story. This is me. This is what happened to me. This is just my experience with God. See, John Newton, he was a slave trader. One of the most vile, reprehensible jobs you could ever imagine. He traded and sold people as if they were commodities and not people. Horrible. But the hope and love of Jesus got a hold of John Newton. God changed his heart. And you know what happened? He became a minister. He got saved. Years later, he became a minister of the gospel in England. He did exactly what I'm doing here this morning, standing in front of people, preaching and teaching Jesus. And then years after that, he went on to write this song, Let me just read you the first line, or the first few lines, although I probably don't need to read it. We could just quote it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. T'was blind, but now I see. What's John Newton talking about? I was blind and now I see. I was lost and now I'm found. I was a wretch and God's grace rescued me. That song is describing the amazing thing that can happen when we will be transformed by the grace of God. Again, it's not just for a certain few it's not just for Pastor Andrew or for the people that lead worship on this stage. It's for you too. And so, with every head bowed and every eye closed, transformation starts with knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's where transformation starts. So, if you would say, Pastor Andrew, I, I think I'm right, I, I'm not sure. Or I've never given my heart to Jesus. Today's your day. I believe that there is someone who will watch this recording. Not today, but I don't know when. You'll watch this recording later. And this is your decision. This is a decision you need to make. Give your heart to Jesus. Today. Give it to him today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. I want you to say these words just to yourself, just privately and if you mean that in your heart I believe God can transform you this morning. You can be saved right there where you sit. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for sending your son Jesus. I believe that he lived. I believe that he died on the cross and I believe that through his sacrifice, my sins can be washed away. So God, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. I pray that you would come live in my heart. God, I can't do this without you. But I want to be transformed. Pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey guys, listen, if you prayed that prayer today, I want you to text in. We're going to put the number up there in just a second. I want you to text in. We're going to have people in the altar available to come pray with you. Don't leave here this morning and not tell someone what you did, okay? Amen. Guys, remember, Pastor Jim's going to be back next week. We're going to be talking about growing in grace. If you're a first-time guest, don't forget, take that Connect card, go out there to the lobby on your left and get that free gift. God bless you. Have a great week.